It's Barely in Topic, a podcast for Boston Bruins fans by Boston Bruins fans. Guten Tag! Willkommen zu Barely on Topic, ein podcast für die Fans der Boston Bruins. Fun, die Fans der Boston Bruins. Ich heiße VA. Und hier sind meine Freunde Jeff. Uh, later, Hosen. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Und Tim. Konnichiwa. <laughs> okay, so you might you might wonder why I started off the podcast in potentially bad German. It's because I need to start speaking German again because because the Bruins are playing in Germany during the preseason, including a game against Adler Mannheim. You have to know Dennis, Se- Dennis Seidenberg will be featured heavily in some way because he is that was his team when he played in Germany. He Yeah, he's from basically the same area as Monheim. Yes. Yeah. And his brother used to play for them, but I think he plays for Bayern now. So, yes, I'm super excited because I have told my husband, we need to do this. Okay. Now, are, 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 are you going to go to the the, season, the real season opener and yes. against the, against the go because it's it's also the Preds. Like this is this is made this is made for you. Okay. Germany and sweat Germany and Czech Republic against the Preds. <laughs> yes. Yes. So okay. So basically, let's let's lay out the the table here, and then I will tell you my personal connection. Okay. So they're starting uh, out in Germany, and they're going to play an exhibition game as part of their preseason against Adler Mannheim. Uh, which is in Baden-Württemberg, uh, which is the lower western, like southern western part of Germany, um, near Switzerland, uh, uh, and near France. Well, don't hold me to the France part. Near Switzerland for sure. And um, then they're going to play in Prague for their opener, their season opener. Uh, they're going to play against the Preds in Prague. And I cannot tell you how excited I am about going to Prague. Okay, I mean, I've always wanted to go to Prague. It's so gorgeous. But let's just lay out this connection too. the last time the Bruins started out a season in Prague. They they won the cup that year. They did. So I have good, good feelings like they'll have to lose against the Preds. That's okay, And then make it happen. There you go. Now, the Predators are going to be playing uh, their doing the the rest of their training camp. And playing their exhibition against uh, H.C. Bern in Bern, Switzerland. Which makes sense because Roman Yossi is, I think, I believe he is actually from Bern. So, okay. Yeah. So I'm like torn. Interesting that interesting someone with a conspicuously Italian-Swiss name would be from Bern, which is very German-Swiss. You would have thought he would have been from Lugano or something like that with a... Because it's, it, it is... Because Switzerland is... Very compartmentalized linguistically. <laughs> I, I believe you. I just I find that interesting because uh, Yossi is very obviously uh, Italian root, not German, not ger- not German or Swiss or well, who knows about Romance? I can't keep track of these well, things. He, he, he <laughs> speaks German. Oh, I know. No. I'm gonna look up where he's from, and I please allow me. He is from Bern, Switzerland. Mm, I believed you. I always believed you. I was very clear on that point. <laughs> okay, now turn off your phone. Stop looking at him. Because I said, we said his name. I said his name. And then I started daydreaming. Sorry. He's a good looking man. And I love him. 
Okay. Even if he did screw the Bruins. Sorry. It's true. Okay. So let's, okay. So, so Prague, that's where the season opener is going to be against the Preds. David Pasternak is very excited about it because he went to that game in 2010 um, as oh. a kid. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, it's on the the Bruins website. Oh yeah, it was a chance to see it was it was a chance to see his his his, uh, his favorite player growing up, David Krejci. I <laughs> know, <laughs> it's so crazy. Now he gets to play with him. Oh my god. And so now he gets to inspire lots of other Czech kids. It's going to be great. Um that the statement that came out on the news article on the Bruins website seemed very written like a PR piece, like somebody wrote that piece for him. Or maybe he said it all in Czech and somebody translated it for him. Uh, and he's surprisingly um, literary, I guess we'll say, in, in Czech. I don't know. But he's excited uh, to, to go back. Uh, I Krejci's excited to go back, of course. You know, who knows if Yager will be around. It'll be fun. But anyway, okay, let me tell you about my what I really want to do as well. Uh, I'll have to find some time to do this. Uh, my family is actually from Baden-Württemberg. We came over well before Germany was actually Germany. Um, and we came over to this country basically when it was still a bunch of colonies. Came over in the early 18th century. So my family is from a place called Meckesheim, which is not too far from Stuttgart, from Heidelberg, from Mannheim, from Rotweil, any of those places. So... I'm excited to go back because I want to see where my family came from. So this is a fantastic opportunity. I can go watch hockey. I can go to a place in Germany I've never never been before, you know, and I can go see where my people came from. And then I can go to Prague because Prague is gorgeous and I, I really want to go there. Outstanding. Yes. Fantastic. Ben's already talking about going, so hopefully we can catch some navigating tips from him because he is far more worldly a traveler than we are. But yes, it's a very exciting. I can't wait. This is like one of those global series things that you actually want to to watch because it involves your team and uh, an interesting locale. Now, I find it interesting that this was announced in a week that the Bruins decided to be shitty. Yeah, they um, they didn't play well this week. No. At all. No. Um, no. Gave up 16 goals in four games. Um, in three games, rather. I mean... Tuca remembered that it was the start of the season. He, But he got confused and thought it was October. And um, we really need him to remember that it's April. <laughs> I, I am going to say that we may have, even that we may have hit a certain injury critical mass this week as part of it too. That's true. Yep. That's true. I mean, don't get me wrong. No, with the exception of Jake DeBrusque missing the missing the Detroit game, they're not missing any like true like difference makers, right? Because you know it was Bacchus and Richie and Nordstrom and Lindholm, and then, of course Miller and Moore. But they're pieces of the team. They're pieces of the team, exactly. And it means you're trying to, you know, get work kids who didn't make the team in to fill those gaps. Again, again, fortunately, apart from Jake DeBrust, none of them are major contributors. Right. But, so it could have been worse, like past year's injury marathons. 
Oh my god, when, remember when we lost Bergy and Chara in the same week? Ugh. Oh boy. Well, that was around the time where the um uh, where, where we went where I think we they they'd all gone all the way down to the 12th defenseman. Because oh we'd, we'd moved through all eight roster defensemen and Urho <laughs> and Lausanne and Clifton all the way down to Zaboral. Oh. Like the team was at the point where if they had another defensive industry injury, they were going to be calling up e- e- either Emil Johansson, Johansson, who's no longer part of the organization, or Wiley Sherman, who isn't a thing. Yeah, he's, probably- he's, a, he's a lot of a, he's a lot of a thing, but not a hockey thing. And there is very a great deal of him. He's a very very large man, but yeah, he's like six seven, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh well, but yeah, he's, he's a wall. <laughs> he's a wall, but he's not a hockey player. I think is what you're trying to say. Yeah. Yes. Point being, so the team was uh, that far into, that far down into the into the bottom of the bucket on defense at that point in time. <laughs> wow. And then you'd have to sign Chris Breen to a two way contract just to bring him up. <laughs> oh boy. I mean, you know, this week was was interesting in the respect that you know it's like to make sure that you could um, the. Okay, after Montreal, they did a paper transaction for Seneshin, but they did send Hughes down. Um, yes. And they've had to, they actually had to move Kevin Miller over to LTIR to be able to afford that. So basically, it's like they they have to go back and forth and take people off the roster and put them back on just at the right time to be able to make the cap. So yeah, the injury critical mass thing has really been fucking with the cap. For sure. Well, also, it comes to the issue that also leads to is like, okay, well, if you guys are coming back soon, they're going to have to do something, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I have no idea what that is. Um, Like, there's some easy ones. You know, Wave Richie, he's not going to get claimed. And, he, his, and, his, and his million is entirely variable. Yeah. As guys who aren't on LTIR come back from injury, obviously the call-ups go down. But the bottom line is we don't have the cap space to be able to have both Miller and Moore on this team. Not right so now. I have to assume the hope is that Miller comes back and plays well enough to sell him. Yeah. It's a real it's a conundrum. And that importantly means that Miller has to come back far enough in advance of Moore to play well enough to be able to shop him. Yeah. <laughs> I thought that we were doing I thought we had a victory when when Don Sweeney miraculously signed Carlo and McAvoy to those deals. We did, but there was still unfinished business. It was only because of those guys' injuries was the only reason they didn't have to solve it right away. Right. And you couldn't really solve it with their injuries. Yeah. So Oi Vey. Oi, 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 oi. And there's the problems because Nair, you know, Miller didn't play in that playoff run and Moore barely did. And when he did, it was catastrophic because he was playing injured. So unfortunately, both of their most recent bodies of work either don't exist or everyone involved would prefer they didn't. Yeah. Like, like if, if, they had, if, if, one of, if one of them had had a really good playoffs and then got injured halfway through, that'd be a different story. Which is why you probably need a better part of a month between Miller coming back and being and having a hope of, hope of being able to move him. 
Unless it's to like Ottawa or something, who needs a warm body, or, or some other team that desperately needs any warm body. Winnipeg. Oh. Yeah, because they also because one of the things is that Winnipeg they they have a fair amount of cap space, right? They have vast amount of cap space, and Bufflin is still on the um, inactive. Well, Buffalo, yeah. So Buffalo, that's that's a fucking weird situation now, ain't it? I would have thought that he would have made his decision by now because the no, the, no, 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 no. He he quietly had ankle surgery about a week or two ago. Oh, I did not know this. Yeah. So 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 apparently, what happened is like so he uh, got cleared by the signed off by the team doctor at the end of last season. You know, his, his ankle's going to be okay. He didn't skate all all, all summer, figuring just rest it. Right. That's Which tough. is a bad size, especially a guy Bufflin size not skating all summer. This season would have been ugly no matter no matter how his ankle was. Right. Because we've seen Bufflin come into camp. Um, big. Big, 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 yes. big, 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 yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah. when he's at his playing way, he's big, but yeah. Yeah. And yeah. Um, and so he moved, his family moved back to Winnipeg for the season. He started skating and it didn't go well. Oh. And so then on the eve of camp, he decided he was going to, you know, sit back and was debating retiring because of his ankle. Right. Okay. That, that I had heard. At which, so he, so he just, so, so he got suspended for a failure to report as a result. And then more recently has decided on his own to get ankle surgery that the team had recommended against him. If your ankle is not getting better, you, you gotta, you gotta get the surgery. Right. Well, so the team told him it was fine, and clearly not. There was apparently both ligament and bone damage, and bones that needed work on. Like there were some broken bones in his foot and stuff, in addition to the uh, ligament damage. And that's painful too, just every yeah. day painful, you know. Oh yeah, can confirm. Both my ankles are mostly bone meal and scar tissue, so like I am sympathetic. <laughs> yeah, my ankles are not much better. Although they have been better since I've been taking vitamin D. Whether or not that's a placebo effect or real, I don't know. Very for that, or you're slowly slowly curing your incipient rickets. Well, I didn't look at it that way, but thank you, Jeff. <laughs> I thought rickets was like caused by renal damage too. Rickets is, is is vitamin D deficiency. Yeah, yeah, but I thought that there was a, a uh, there was a um, kidney component to it. Uh, that may also be a con consequence of the vitamin D part, though. All I know is this: I worked with somebody who had multiple ki kidney transplants, and um, and kidney transplants are still just living on borrowed time. But he did it because he had uh, kidney disease. And he had rickets as a result of the kidney disease. And he has to take vitamin D for the rest of his life because of... I wonder that. if, yeah, the kidney, part of the kidney problem was causing his the, the, the vitamin D deficiency in that case or something. Okay, well, you know what? Maybe, maybe I did have rickets. I don't know. But... I said incipient rickets. Incipient, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I believe I that mean... probably should be the, I believe that should be the episode title. Incipient rickets. <laughs> Would you like to talk about my anemia as well? Because, <laughs> you know, I have to get shots for that. Um, and nobody is saying that I'm anemic, but if I'm getting shots like eight or nine, ten months later, I think I'm probably anemic. <laughs> uh, perhaps. Uh, but anyway, okay, incipient rickets. So, so anyway, yeah, so he had surgery. 
And apparently this um, – well, odds on this whole thing is probably going to turn into an arbitration case between him, the team, the team, the NHLPA, and the league because uh, the issue of the doctor – of the team doctors signing off on him back in the spring. That's a big – that's a big problem. Well, it gives him grounds to challenge the suspend the, the um his uh being su- his um suspension. Yep. And he should absolutely challenge it. Yeah. So like I remember I was reading Elliot Friedman and basically one of the things he said is like we don't know what's going to happen here. If he comes back, it's kind of hard to imagine he'll be able to go back with the uh go, go back with the Jets again. Hmm. Maybe the Blackhawks will want him back. Or the Wild, he's from Minnesota. Yes, and that's all, of course, if he comes back, right, at all. Because, like, apparently the surgery was as much of anything as, like, also the quality of life matter. Like, it was that bad. So, like, the Jets fucked up big here. They did. They did. I, okay, I was not aware of all of that other stuff because I kind of lost the thread on the story. So, that's on me. Those are very recent developments, last two weeks. So. Oh, man. Well, I hope that he has a great recovery. I hope he challenges the Jets for sure, because it sounds like they're in the wrong here. And in the meantime, I hope they trade for Kevin Miller when he comes back. There you go. Like, yeah, why not? Do or better that? yet, or better yet, John Moore. Or both of them. Who do we want back? Blake Wheeler! <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I mean, this is what they could do. They trade for both Miller and and more they put them in a trench coat put them on top of each other and they're basically going to be the same size as bufflin so there you go <laughs> no I mean, bufflin's not that much taller than kevin miller i think you got to duct tape them back to back <laughs> it's more of a volume issue than a, than a height issue at that point <laughs> i love how tim has been trying to he he very quietly put together my super mega defenseman, except he used the wrong parts. <laughs> super, super mega defenseman light. If, if you're super mega defensive defenseman's in Audi, um, Tim just built a super mega defenseman ladder. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I think I just built a dish of O is what I built. That was... <laughs> <laughs> I think that you have an instant pair. Come on, Winnipeg. Trade for Kevin Miller and John Moore. Honestly, both of them are better than all but like one of the defensemen on their current roster. Their current roster is uh, Dmitry Kalikov, Josh Morrissey, Neil Pionk, Nathan Bolu, Nathan Bolu Carl Dahlstrom, Tucker Pullman, Lucas Sabiza, and Anthony Potato. Both of them are better than every single one of those players except for Morrissey. I'm actually really sad that um, there were two other names that I knew on that list because I almost said, I know some of those names. <laughs> no, I mean, that's true. I know some of those names. I mean, what kind of name is Tucker Pullman? That's not a real uh, name. That's a creative like- player on NHL 20. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Oh, man. Yeah, um... And then you can take Lucas Sabiza and put him on waivers, and the Ducks can get him back. He'll <laughs> 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 be just like David Perron. He's never going to sign a contract with any other team but one team. <laughs> no, I know that's not true. But, I mean, it is true about David Perron. He's only ever signed a, a contract with one team, and that's the St. Louis Blues. And then he just did which it is, again. Which is hilarious because he's played for um, 
like half the league or other teams <laughs> he's he's like the cat that won't stay away <laughs> like there's that song there's this long there's uh-huh. this song that we learn in school when you're like in grade school and it's like the cat came back he wouldn't stay away that's that's like yeah, that's 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 Peron right there. Just yeah, wow. <laughs> anyway, okay, I think this is a great idea. I feel bad because um, I like Kevin Miller and I I like his like his brotherhood with Brad Marchand, but we the cap is a serious problem right now. If I had sirens, I would hit the the horn for the sirens here because the, looking at the cap situation daily, which I'm doing now, it's not making me feel great. Again, there when people start coming back, we got a situation. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> yeah, and again, there are some. Again, obviously, there are some easy things around the edges you can do, but a lot of them are pretty low impact. You know, waving Richie, sending guys back down, wave Camphor. I mean, if it's within, we've got a narrow window here, but, you know, send Clifton down until such a time as the, uh, as the logjam's dealt with, assuming it happens soon enough. I, I got to tell you, I know that he wants to keep playing Cliffy, but I think that he should play uh, Camper a little bit more because you, you need to have, you need to have that flexibility to send Cliffy down for just a little bit. Uh, I, I am, I don't even know where we are in the countdown. What is it? Nine games now? So his NHL total games played is 51 right now. Yeah, nine games. Nine games. Wow. I pulled that out of the air. I guess I've been (laughs) keeping a mental tracker and and keeping it secret from myself. I saw something about Miller likely back within the next two weeks, which makes it doable. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven... Eight, nine, ten. Okay, there's ten more games in November. So basically, he can be sent as long as he gets sent down before November November 27th against Ottawa. Yep. Assuming he dresses for all those games. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Because Ottawa's the Ottawa's game nine at this. It is his 60th NHL game. I know. I've been keeping track on this. Well, I didn't know the. Exact- so that puts us about the timeline on Miller. Or just that, that's that's just after the timeline on Miller. But again, Clifton's not a big Barry and Clifton doesn't make a big impact either, right? No, yeah. no, it doesn't. But you gotta, you know, it could be a bunch of small moves that add up. Well, as I said, yeah, I mean, like the other guys that can go down that you can completely bury. There's not a lot of incentive to do it. For example, uh, Lindholm, I suspect, wouldn't clear waivers. Yeah, I don't think he would. Richie, eh, Richie might not, but who cares? Yeah, take him. Like he's been pretty bad. I think mean, he's been fine-ish, and at best, he got pulled for like half, or not half the. He got pulled for most of the the second period in the Montreal game. Yeah, and then he when he popped up again, he was on a line with Krejci or something. It was just like. And Heinen, Heinen was down doing the the work on the fourth line, which I was kind of excited about. I know it's not the ideal usage of him, but I was excited about it because he got to play with his bestie, Sean Crowley. So, Mm -hmm. you know, 
Um, I just was excited to see that it didn't. Well, wait a minute. Yeah. Okay. Well, he didn't figure into that that goal. But anyway, um, I I was excited about that. But um, you know, I also was kind of pissed that Rachie, uh, Rachie, Richie is just he just didn't look right out there. He didn't know what he was doing. They pulled him. They brought, they rewarded him in some respect. It was like stupid. Um, yeah. And then he didn't even play it. He was a late scratch on Friday, which kind of fucked things up. So not great. Not super excited about that guy. But like, yeah, there's not a lot of piece things you can do easily anyway. So it's, it's, it's a conundrum. And, uh, um, at which point, you know, I'm, uh, Sweeney and uh, is it Nadeau or is it Gold that handles that stuff? Uh, was our cap guy. Yeah, Sweeney and Evan Gold have a have a challenge ahead of them in the near future. Yeah, so they're they're going to have to do some 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 finagling to make the cap happen here. The other X factor is that they still don't really have a timeline on on Bacchus. Apparently he's feeling better, but they don't know when he's back. Well, does does retroactively putting him on injured reserve do anything? Retroactive LTIR is a funny thing, and I'm not really sure I can speak to whether it makes a difference or not. Okay. Okay. I mean, Bacchus' back concussion being declared season-ending would, would be the easiest solution, but... <laughs> on the one hand, I'm like... On the one hand, there's part of me that hopes that could happen because that would free up some space. I, I I agree, and I don't like wishing that on him. Right! That's exactly it because it's like I love David Backus. I love him. I love him as a person, and I don't want him to be going through this. I feel so, so much empathy for him. I really do, and I, and I don't want to wish against him, and that's what it feels like I'm doing. And I, And you know what? Life is complicated like that. I get it, but it doesn't make me feel any better. The way I look at it is I kind of hope it is. Like, I hope I kind of want them to do it with it not actually being that bad, just so he takes time for himself. Like, I, I worry for him after he retires, like, legitimately, with all the injuries he's had the last few years and stuff like that. I legitimately worry about his, like, actual quality of life after retiring from hockey so maybe this is the time to like take some time off it's like like, yeah it's kind of like this the rick nash thing he's got two young kids and you don't want them to have a father who's absent because of the pain and the the memory issues and and all sorts of things that happen when you have multiple concussions whether, you know, I think what it really comes down to is like people don't like the contract and that's fine, but you need to separate your issues with the contract from the person. And if you're wishing him ill will on, on him at, because you can't separate that, then you're really, you're too far gone. There's nothing we can do to help you. But his contract being LTIR'd would be a great benefit to the Bruins. So now I'm sad, guys. I was actually relatively happy today. <sighs> What a bummer. Why don't we talk about the, the this week's games? <laughs> I thought you said you wanted to like be happier. <laughs> well, I guess we'll talk about Pittsburgh then if we want her to be happier, although that game was kind of 
stupid too. Yeah, that game it was. was that game was uneven. Okay. Remember, remember back in the good old days, or maybe they weren't so good old days, but uh, it's when our friendships were forming that we used to talk about the Bruins and, and telling them that it wasn't the second period. It was not period two. It was period one B, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, that, this was like then. <laughs> yes, yes. Because it's like watching them struggle with the second period just reminds me of so many other games that we watched like that. It's just like, and guys, giving up. And giving up four unanswered goals in the second period. One. One with the guy who just came out of the box. Ugh. And went for a breakaway with three seconds to spare. Three seconds to spare in the period. Yep. Yeah, that wasn't I, great. I realized you were probably... You probably had some personnel from your, your power play, but you know... A lot of the guys on your power play are actually on your penalty kill as well. I was going to say two out of those five on that first unit are your your backbone of your penalty kill. Oh man, so it was it was painful. I mean, it started off great, you know. You had DeBrusque and Marshy in the first period. You know, Marshy Marshy had a three point night. I don't know if anybody realized that. That's that's pretty good. You know, Creech, four point four point four points. What? He assisted on he, in the third. He assisted on Krug. He had his goal and he assisted oh, on Marshawn. Fuck. And he and he had the goal in the first too. So he had a four point night. I'm sorry. It was a four point night. I did wait. Not... No, I miscounted. There's it another was a assist five in there point. somewhere. Yeah. Oh, he assisted on night. he assisted on Pasternak's goal too. Five points. Yeah. Oh my God! We're all wrong. It was a five point night. It was a yeah, five point um, night. Yeah, he, uh, except for Jay, Jay, except for DeBrusque's unassisted goal, he had a hand in all of them. Now we know we know how truly valuable he is. Um, no, we knew that before, but yeah, I mean, it started off great. Three, we went up three nothing. It was fantastic, and then the second period really kicked in. Yeah, like they said it after the game, they were just outskated that second period so badly, like. I don't know. Like they, it seemed like they were just a step behind getting to pucks. They couldn't clear shit out of their own zone. It was just not great. Now I will say there are some things that the team does well, and we know they do well. But uh, they absolutely shut Sid down. But we knew that Brad and Brad and Patrice eat Sid's eat Crosby's lunch. Yeah, true. And. Uh, and your boyest of boys did some good work on that front as well. Oh, my God. When he, like, at the end of the game, like, the, the most memorable thing for me at the end of the game is, when, you know, when when um, they went empty net, they had the extra attacker, and my husband yells at the screen, somebody lock him up! And it was almost like Carlo heard that. And he, he went over, they went over to the... <laughs> Um, went over to the boards and he he basically made sure that that Crosby didn't get a stick on the puck and locked him up just enough so that puck could get away from them. Ah, oh, it was fantastic. And then Bergie eventually scored, right? So that was fantastic. Oh, yeah, my boys to boys. You know, I, I'm going to just tell you something. If you didn't know this, he's pretty good defensively. Pretty good. You know, he's working on his offensive game. Right. At one point, he had a point streak of three games. He's working on it, guys. He's working on it. But 
He's still our second highest scoring defenseman at the moment. Yeah. After his partner, of course, most of whose points are on the power play because, like, you know, this power play is de- it destroys worlds. But uh, yeah, he, um, yeah. his six points in uh, 16 games um, is one ahead of Chara, uh, two ahead of McAvoy, and four ahead of Grizzlick. And, well, well, Clifton's got a goal somewhere, so, you know. I think that um, I think he had, like, ten points all last year. So he's already, like, looking awesome. Yeah. So... I mean, he always looks awesome, but you know what I mean. Um, Brandon Carlo, if you're listening, we really need some more Winnie and Emmy Lou content. You know, I, I got to see your dogs some more. Okay. So anyway, yes. So, oh, God. So, yes, uh, they, they, they came back in the third. They managed to score three goals and win that game. But, oh, it was tough. But you know what? I'd rather have them struggle a little bit against at least a good team. I mean, the Penguins are not at the top of the uh, uh, the Metro, but they're still good. You know, their record doesn't really show that, but they're good. Now, and, and you know, please, when you hear me say this, just take it relative to the situation right now. With the Bruins losing to the Habs... I am only okay with it because the Habs are not garbage. They're a middle-of-the-pack team at best. Okay? But losing to the Red Wings, for me, was inexcusable. Get it? Yep. Okay? So it's like, you know, I I hate the Habs. Everybody hates the Habs. We're all good at hating the Habs. Um, But if I had my choice of uh, a team to... Um, definitely lose two of the Habs or the Red Wings, it, it would be the Habs. And the Habs just, they outplayed the Bruins. That's well, it. Counterpoint to that, though, is the Habs are a good enough team to potentially make the playoffs. Mm-hmm. The Red Wings are not. So while there's a certain dignity loss in losing to the ha- to that Red Wings versus the Habs, um, those points aren't going to cause a problem later yep. with Detroit having them. No, it's not. You're right. I didn't... Whereas the Habs can potentially could. Habs right now are third in the land. Are third in the in the division. Yeah. Okay. I was not looking um, at it. I was not looking at it globally. I guess we'll say. Okay. So there's both the there's there's both the psychological and the real politic asks of aspects here. So. Yeah. See, this is why we're so good together, Jeff. Because <laughs> I think of it one way, and you think of it another way, and Tim, I'm sure. Things about it an entirely different way. I just hate to be very clear. The, the better thing to do is yeah, kick them both back into the Stone Age. Um, but you know, here we are. I mean, the Red Wings were one in eleven in their last twelve games. One in fucking eleven. Like, come on. Like, Jesus Christ. Like, <clears throat> that pissed me off. Like, and it was stupid stuff. Like, two power play goals, the given up, and then like one off Bergie's skate into the into the net and like what? Like this is stupid. It was dumb. And Jonathan Bernier was in net, which was even dumber. And I'm just like, why? Yeah. Yeah. It took me forever to figure out that he was wearing a hockey fights cancer mask. Uh it, to to me it looked very incomplete and I wasn't sure what was going on. Incidentally I'm impressed with Detroit's commitment to hockey fights cancer, all the board ads being in being in lavender. 
Well, the Bruins did that too on their hockey night. Uh, okay. Yeah, so they had theirs on October 29th. So it was all that, that. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, all the teams do that, but sure, we'll give we'll give Detroit something right now. That sounds fine. Yeah, they don't have much else. Um, yeah. So the Bruins and Habs game, I you know, what I find amazing about that game, that specific game, because I've not been watching the Habs otherwise, um, was that Claude's team was scoring. Right? And that, and man, their fortune. Claude's was, evolved in a way that he never even attempted to in Boston. They are forechecking the fuck. They were forechecking the fuck out of the Bruins. And, and they were winning that. I mean, it was just like, I, I sat there and I'm like, why couldn't you do that here? <laughs> it was so great in the respect that if you were a Habs fan, you loved that. But I just sat there and I was like, God damn it. I hate you. Oh, yeah. It was, it was not, it was not great. And the worst part of that is um, it was Tuka's first bad game of the year. And, like, all of a sudden, the sky was falling. Oh, I know. Look, look, you know what? Tuca had a bad game. The the team did not have a great game in front of him. It was the second night of a back-to-back, but I don't want to put the excuse on that. I, I just want to say that they didn't look good. Like, it was a bad game. Um, although, I will say that Mr. Big Goal did come through with a big goal to tie it up. So it was fantastic. But then we had one of the worst things to ever happen to us. Oh, wait a minute. Okay, ready? Bruins fans, I want you to say after me, and you guys do this too. Ready? And roll your eyes when you're doing this, please. The eye roll is very important. The Bruins get all the calls. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, they do. Fuck. (laughs) Charlie Coyle. Had possession in between. He absolutely the had control of the puck. Players do that with their feet all the time. That is the, essentially the rule, apparently. I, I even saw Habs people, Habs like like writers and stuff, saying that 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 goal being waved off was bullshit. Like Mark Dumont, who used to run, you know, the the SBN site for the Habs site after Berkshire moved, after Andrew Berkshire moved on. Like these are people who are like staunch Habs partisans. Said that that was nonsense. <laughs> he had possession. He went over the line and then some, I don't know, what was it? 30, 40 seconds later, he scored, right? Which we've talked about that before. There should be a time limit between that offsides called that wasn't called (laughs) and you scoring, you know? So basically I was listening to Ty Anderson. I think it was on Friday. He was on Toucher and Rich and he was like, no, he had possession by the rule and everything. But really, you know, to improve that whole situation, get rid of the offside challenge. It's just nonsense. You know, he's like, they spent three minutes. They spent three minutes looking at that. And at that point, because they couldn't determine anything, they were looking for something. Yeah. All the replays showed that he had possession and that it wasn't offside. And I don't even know how they determined it was offside. But they spent three minutes looking for it. It was ridiculous. I saw something, too, that I think they should do as well. I said, the person was like, um keep if you keep the challenge it should be the refs have to watch the replay in real time 
can't slow it down, can't do anything. And if you can't tell in real time, then guess what? It's a good goal. Yep, I heard that too. That was ridiculous because that at that point would have been the game-winning goal had the the uh, Habs not come back and scored. <sighs> and beyond that, there were a couple missed penalties that were pretty bad. Like McAvoy getting tripped was bad. And then... Oh, that's um, right. And then Sinitian was coming down the right wing, going after the puck. And then, like, he was pretty clearly held and pushed away and, like, held back. Like, he, like his right arm was, like, not able to reach in front of him. It was being held. And they didn't call anything. And I was like, oh, I mean, we're just not calling anything at all at this point. That's good. Nope, they weren't calling anything, and there were at least three penalties in the third period that, that would have put the, the Bruins on the man advantage, but they didn't call any of them. So you're right, I forgot uh, all about that because I was still outraged about the goal. If that goal had st- stood, which it should have, then the Bruins are on the power play ex- right after. So you have the Habs scored relatively close after that, but they wouldn't have had that opportunity because the Bruins are on the power play there. Yep. <sighs> well, I, I just, I don't know if I have any more to talk about that game. Oh, yeah, it was just bad. <laughs> but it was not as bad as Friday. And you know what? I don't even feel like talking about this Friday game other than Brett Ritchie was a late scratch. He dressed 7D. So Stephen Camper was supposed to be in the lineup and he never once played him. And I just don't understand. Like, like, let's, like, again, let's call this what it is. Um, the team played like like dog shit. They were had lacked discipline against Detroit, but that was a coaching loss. Yeah, like I like Cassidy's great. You make mistakes. That's a coaching loss. That game is unambiguously a coaching loss. Yeah, it is. It is, but it still makes me angry because I feel like he, he. You know what? You play Camper. He's not your ideal choice. You either slide him over. Uh, onto defense or and take Cliffy and put him out on the wing or you just play him as a right wing on the fourth line and you just deal with it. I, I, they were scrambling. They were double shifting. Uh, I don't know what he was trying to, to, to do with that. And then he playing looked with the desperate and playing with not enough forwards and yet still play people like Sinition, like Sinition under eight minutes. Right, right. Like, don't I, get me wrong. The team spent half that fucking game on the penalty kill. But yes, <laughs> that's the other thing. The pen, they, they, so many dumb penalties. Oh yeah. Um, is that the one? Marshy took a really bad one. They scored on it. Of course. Yeah. It's, it, it was, it, the Bruins played that game really pretty undisciplined, which isn't something you say very often. No, I mean, they get their fair share of penalties. Let's be honest, but undisciplined is a good word for that game. Oh, because it was dumb. It was dumb stick infractions and 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 interference and stuff like that. Like, like I like I've been watching some of these and like, uh, which there was one penalty that the Bruins did manage to grab that frankly should have gotten had an had an offsetting uh, embellishment minor that uh, trip on Pasternak. I was, I go watch that. It's like wow, okay, that's going to be matching Myers. It has to be matching Myers. It's so obviously a dive. Somehow it wasn't. I'm okay with that, but. It, point is i recognize is like that should have been an offsetting embellishment call Yep, because he fell so long after the trip it was a trip absolutely but uh d jesus pasta like take some notes from brad at least 
So we can all agree that this was just a dumb game that um, basically what it did was it, it lowered the Bruins power play and penalty kill. <laughs> uh, and uh, they didn't get any points out of it. So that's fantastic. What a stupid fucking game. Uh, and we get a game tonight. So that's fun. Uh, but we don't get gritty. So why? Yeah, because it's. Well, here's the thing. I think teams should be able to bring their their, their mascots to cause to cause a ruckus too, right? Like visiting teams absolutely should bring their mascots. Now, mind you, most fit mascots aren't going to cause a ruckus, but like that's just because everyone's doing it wrong, right? Yeah. But, like gritty changed the game. Everyone should be having 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 pure chaos rendered Muppet for 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 their uh for, for their their mascot now. Yeah. Yeah. I would because, like the most amir- most amazing thing is that we're a year into this and the world does not yet have gritty fatigue. No, because he's fantastic. Like, like it's it's remarkable, really. Like the, the gritty is is a profound victory of marketing based on that. <laughs> I want to hug him because I love gritty. I still love gritty. I I am trying to convince Mandy and Ellen to go down. I think it's like next, uh, like sometime in like September or October next year to go do the gritty 5k or 10k or whatever the hell it is. I don't know. We can walk it. Who cares? Um, <laughs> I want to go do that. All right. So last week, Jeff, you wanted to talk about Tory Krug and contract situation. And I'm sure you studied up on that. And I, I took a, a little bit of notes, not, not many, but I took some notes to compare some, some, some players. Now, we know that Roman Yossi just, he signed a deal. And he's, you know, his points production is a little bit more than Tory Krug. So he's on a, a little bit of a different tier. But he signed a contract for eight years. Oof. At nine point zero five nine million per year, it goes into effect next year, uh, and he will be about thirty eight when it's over. Um, and it has a full new, no move or no trade clause. So, wow, that that was amazing because David Poyle doesn't do that. So, basically, everybody's been positing that that is bad news for the Bruins and good news probably for Tory Krug. Now, Tory Krug has in the past said that he would take a discount to stay in Boston because he loves Boston. His wife loves Boston. That's very important. Having your family love the place where you are is is very important. Um, you know, obviously, they just had a uh, child, so they probably think, hey, this is a great place to raise her. Um, he loves their his dogs, team. Their, their dog's named Fenway. Their dog is named Fenway, and she likes to go on spa dates with um she goes on spa dates with Winnie and it's adorable. You really need to see that. Fenny. Fenny and Winnie. You don't want Fenny to not have Winnie? Come on. That's really important. So anyway, um, yeah. So uh, he loves his teammates. He loves being on this team. He loves everything about Boston. And this team is doing a very important thing right now. They're in contention. Right. They've been in contention every year that Bruce Cassidy has been here as a coach. Right. Well, I was just at that season right then and there was a minute snap, snap, turnaround the moment Cassidy was behind the bench. Yep. So 
So basically, there are so many pros for staying in Boston for Tory Crew, but the one con is salary. And like any hockey player, he wants a raise. Yeah. Krug has been well underpaid for his entire career. Like he's taken he's he took three consecutive undervalued contracts with Boston. So while we have precedent for him taking um, less money to be in Boston, all those were A, RFA contracts. Mm-hmm. And B, he's done it three times. So while on the other, well, he's done it three times, but like on the other end, it's like he took, he took, he took, he took, he was underpaid on three consecutive contracts. So for the last seven years, he's been underpaid. So it puts me in a weird place, right? Yep. Tory Krug deserves to be properly compensated, especially because he's been underpaid for so long. But I want Tory Krug to be a Bruin, and I know he can't be properly compensated and be a Bruin. Right, right. So last week, I posited that I thought that he was in the 7 to $8 million range, and that if he took a discount, it would be $7 million. And last week, you said to look at the Justin Falk contract as a guide. I... I that was the first one that came to me. Like that's probably a realistically a floor. That's in Justin Fox. Uh, so I'd say it's six, six point five over seven, right? That would be an underpay. It would put him in line with a lot of other players on the team, with, with the other cluster of our of our top players, of course. But he, Tory Krug, Tory Krug, the man, should not sign that contract. <laughs> Tory Krug, the Bruin, absolutely should. But Tory Krug, the human being who, with only a limited number of years of, earn, of earning income on his chosen, chosen profession, should not sign such a contract. <laughs> uh, okay, so it's really hard to just pick names out and and look at point production. I, I use the top fifty fantasy mm-hmm. defenseman to kind of use as a a, um, a guide to see what point production is, you know, for certain defensemen, right? And here are some names that I came up with uh, who don't exactly fit. The, the, actually, the first one fits Tory Krug probably the best uh, because Krug, I think, last year had like, what, 53 points or was it 47? I don't remember. Uh, you're the numbers guy here. You'll tell me. Fifty-three. Fifty-three. Okay. And then another 18 in the playoffs. Okay. Well... Okay. Remember, Tory Krug was the other Bruin besides besides Rask that was in the that was realistically in the running for the Conn Smythe. Okay, okay, <laughs> right. I think he should have gotten it just for like trucking Robert Thomas the way they did. You know? I mean, the fact that they had to institute rule changes because of that hit. You should get that picture for your wall down here. Yeah, yeah, you should get that. I saw that last week at, at the the uh, Baseball Courage show. They had a framed one of him just trucking him. That actually comes to mind. I probably should like hang some of my jerseys down here or something. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, anyway, listen to this first name that I came up with. Okay. Ready? And it's about the same point production last year. In the past, he's had more, but he's fluctuated. Chris Letang at 7.25 million. And he signed that before when he actually produced more. When did he sign it, though? Remember, because you have to deal with, you have to consider cap inflation. Like, what was the, what, like, like, so in a, in a case like this, it's almost better to look at percentage of the cap at the time of signing when contracts are that far 
or that disparate. And that takes a lot of math. I'm not prepared. Right, 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 right. I'm not necessarily prepared for that either. But just as a conversational starting point, I think he signed that in 2015. So Latang is better in his own zone than Krug is. Okay. Um, but again, Krug's much, much, much exponentially better in his own zone than he gets credit for usually. Okay. So, yeah, seven two five. So it would also put Krug, that that's a, that's a pretty reasonable number range, and I think the term was acceptable too. Because you got you got to be careful with the term for Krug, right? Mm-hmm. He's twenty eight now, so he's he's on the younger end for UFAs, thank God. Yes. But. So you give him in, in his birthday is April. Okay, so he turns. So he'll be he'll be twenty nine to start our next contract. So if he signed for a max term eight year, it takes you to thirty seven. That's tough for a small guy. Yeah, because I remember reading that Matt Kalman seems to think that um, because Tory Krug is a little bit smaller, all the hits that he takes will add up a lot more. You know. Yes. And speeds, speed and puck handling are big parts of his game, and those are areas that tend to degrade. Of course. There are things that he can uh, do to modify that, you know, because we know that other players have been doing that. But we'll see. We'll have to see how quickly he adjusts to that, to makes those adjustments, you know. I would want to make them on the earlier side than the later side, but, you know, that's me. Yes. So... <sighs> And this is where it gets tricky because I don't think if the Bruins, I don't think the Bruins should give him a contract longer than six years. Right. I'm good with six years. I don't think you can possibly get him to sign shorter. So six years is, I think, the target. It's the target term. Right. So then it's about money and how that, that gets divided up yeah. by the, the term. Money and clauses. Right. So I would, for starters, even though it's always a gamble, you got to incentivize it in places, right? Right. And one of the things the players are concerned about, of course, is escrow. How do you skirt escrow? Maximum signing bonuses. Have the salary be almost nothing each year. Oh. Now, it's risky because you can't buy out those contracts. Not really. No. But what it does for the player, and this is sort of why you've been seeing it, actually, even in places like Toronto, where you get where you get, you get, a, you get a tax hit, is a, the, the, these, um, these bonus-laden contracts, that's guaranteed money. Say, say two two players with a five million dollar five million dollar cap it. One of them gets a four million dollar bonus. The other one's all salary. One of them's losing probably as much as a third to escrow. Yep. But the one with the five with the four million bonus only loses a third of that last million. So that that bonuses are paid bonuses are paid out in full, in cash on on the designated date. Right. So bonuses are, are are exempt from escrow. Now, the money still counts. So basically, now that's the problem with bonuses. These big bonuses increase the escrow on the other players. Because it still counts to the total money spent, but it's exempt from the escrow process. So the bonuses are bad for the players as a, as a body in total. But they're good. But for the individual player, they're really good. Okay. These are aspects of, of the salary cap that I was, I don't know. <laughs> Tim, sports business is your thing. This seems like a place you need to be, you need to be part of. <laughs> I mean, yeah, no, I get it. I, I don't know. I think maybe the bonus, maybe something that crew should look at. Well, I mean, don't get me wrong. Almost anyone signing him, particularly in UFA, 
big bonuses is going to be a major part of the structure. But like basically, it depends on how wholesale the team's willing to commit to them. And I, yeah, I think I would do that. I would put everything in bonuses and just like a million dollars on base salary the way through. Wow. Like it, it, it's a place you it's a place you can flex. Look at what look what Toronto did. Think about how much of their big guys' salaries is all being paid up front. Yeah, yeah. No, that's. I mean, that would that would make sense. And because and it's something that gives them flexibility, which is something they need. They need to be able to be flexible with the cap. Also, it does serve other purposes, like say, assuming you don't have a full NMC, which you probably need to with Group to make the deal happen. Yep. If at the end of the contract. Everything, most things been paid for, even signing bonuses. If you need to make space the last year of the contract, you trade them after July 1st. Yep. There's incentive there, but again, the problem is, is almost any team that isn't cash-strapped can do this. The only difference is Boston has a lot more time to negotiate the structure with him. And he has more of a history with Boston, so you're hoping that that plays into your favor and things like that. I mean, it's something... It's something that teams in the NFL do a lot where they put all the guaranteed money in the first few years of a contract because in the NFL, not all money is guaranteed. That way, after the first few years, if he sucks, you can just kind of get rid of him, cut bait, no harm, no foul. Everything that you need to be paid has been paid. It's kind of a similar thing. You, and I think it would, it would work if he's willing to do it with Boston. It also has other advantages. Um here too. Remember, he had, this is a place Boston clearly has an advantage. A, Boston likes him. He likes Boston. Good start. Yep. De- never discount the value of the loyalty. I would say an undrafted player would have to the team that signed them as that signed them as a free agent, as an undrafted yep. free agent. Because that means this is a team that, that straight up went to them and say, "We want you." Maybe I'm wrong, but from a player perspective, I feel like that would engender a stronger bond than than being than being than, than someone who was drafted and developed by the team. I would agree. Because remember, they also had to choose Boston, unlike the drafted and developed player. Because let's face it, the draft is indentured servitude. Yeah, they chose each other, and I feel like also like Krug's like bond with the actual team itself, like the players and stuff like that. I mean that's pretty evident, and well, on top of it, he's get once once Bergy is made captain, he's getting an A if he stole the team. I would go more than that because um, I don't believe Bergy's gonna sign another contract after this one. Fair enough. Which means that Krug is probably captain when when Ber- if if I'm correct and Bergy retires at the end of his contract. Yeah, I don't know about Bergie. I know that Krejci at, at one point had said that he doesn't intend to sign another contract after this one's up. Um, well, see, like, well, see, yeah, like Bergeron, for example. I mean, he'll be, he'll be uh, in, in his uh, age thirty six season, thirty five. Yeah, his his last season will be his age thirty six season. Do you real? And he any in the last four, years, three or four seasons, he started and started with this with this this lingering groin injury, right? I think that that Bergie could be in the same camp as Chara. If he wants to come back, it's short term, year to year, whatever. Well, what I'm saying is, I don't think I. I and this was based on the stuff this year when they talked about coming into camp injured again. I'm like, I think he retires at the end of this contract. So like that that and the opportunity to be captain in three years, 
That's another <laughs> point you can sell to Krug's. Like, look, obviously you're not the next man up, and when, when Z retires, whether it's this season or next, what have you, Bergeron will be the captain, obviously. But Bergeron's not that around for much longer either, probably. And let's face it, Krug would be a better would be a better captain than Brad. Yeah. I mean, I, like, I don't know. I don't like Brad, but. <laughs> I would die to see a Brad Marshan captainship. Oh my God. That would be the fucking funniest thing ever. Oh. I mean, it would be fantastic. Now I want that. Now I want that to happen. <laughs> the collect, like, the collective fan bases of every other NHL team would all, like, lose their shit, and it would be hilarious. Oh, oh, their minds would break. Their minds would break like like the way ones break. Minds break if you look in Cthulhu in the eye. Oh my God, that would be so <laughs> fantastic! All the real estate that he owns in everybody who isn't a Bruins fan's heads. I mean, oh my God, he's the guy who made Justin uh, Williams say, "I don't know if I want to play anymore." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> Hardened veteran Justin Williams, who has cops, multiple. <laughs> I am convinced. You cannot convince me otherwise. Like it's almost like I'm that meme with the sign out in front of a table that says, "Brad Marchand made Justin Williams retire. Prove me wrong." <laughs> <laughs> That's all I can think about when he was like, "I'm going to take some time off," and I'm like, "Brad got in your head." <laughs> That's up there with Thomas Hurdle forcing Marty Barone into, into to retire out of shame, <laughs> which is still like the most like hilarious thing ever. Honestly, he's like, "Oh, the little turtle boy scared, scored four goals on me. I'm going to retire now." <laughs> <laughs> it's, apparently, he's doing pretty well as a, an analyst. Backup career backup goaltenders are great analysts. They're like fourth liners. They just have a lot of. They, they watch the game a lot. Yep, more, more than stars do. <laughs> but anyway, okay, let's get back to Krug. So if we're looking at a floor of six point five million, right? I, I realistically think seven or seven and seven and a half is was what a hometown discount would constitute in the end. I, I know, okay. Well I was trying to set it up so that we would talk about the floor oh. and the ceiling. Open market eight five to nine. Oh god. That's open market. That's if he goes to UFA and has everyone bidding oh, on him. That's right. UFA's stupid. Which is one of our episodes from the summer. Yeah. <laughs> Free agency is stupid. Yeah. Oh, God. It, well, because last night they were talking about, or I read something about how the Red Wings would open up the Brinks truck for him, you know, and I'm just like, oh, because he's from Michigan and he's played with Blaschel, you know, when he was with the Indiana Ice of the USHL, which now I found he has another thing in common with Sean Corrali. They both played for at, um, now defunct team. But anyway, um, I just, uh, I don't want to think about him going to Detroit at all because I think that's a waste. It's a waste of his career. It's a waste of his talent. It's not going to, it's not going to be a competitive team particularly quickly. They still have, you know, two more years of Darren Helm, three more, three more years of, of, of Franz Nielsen, four more years of, uh, of Abdulkader. Oh, Abdulkader doesn't even want four more years of Abdulkader. Like some of their some some of their young players are going to go. Some of their young guys are going to go UFA before they finally cleared the board that uh, cl- cleared the shitty board that, that Ken Holland left for Iserman. 
Ken Holland, now the GM of the Edmonton Oilers. I mean, he can't fuck something up that's already been fucked. Well, I mean, the Oilers are doing better, but they also got rid of some people because, like, they needed to go. Like, McTavish is in the KHL now, among other... Well, yeah, they finally cleaned out most of the, uh, most of the, old, bo- most of the old boys club. You know, McTavish, ha- McTavish Housen moved low away from hockey operations. He's only on business side stuff now. Which, to be fair, I don't think I would have put Kevin Lowe in charge of that either. I would have just, you know, said goodbye, disappeared him. It's like here, go, 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 just go enjoy all your rings. <laughs> How do you enjoy rings? Do you just put them on your hand and just wave your hands around like, ooh, sparkly? Or I mean, like at that point, you put all that many rings on, you probably can't even move your lift your arms, or you just like sit there snapping your fingers, imagining that they're the Infinity Gauntlet. <laughs> you know, Tom Brady does that. <laughs> he sits there with all of his rings on. It's just one of these days the Jets are going to disappear. No, one of these days Roger Goodell is going to disappear. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's the real nemesis of Tom Brady. <laughs> Incidentally, I know it's a little a little late for it, obviously, because some of these were better part of 20 years ago. But wouldn't it be great if they'd put all the different color, color gemstones into the different iterations of patch rings? It would be if somebody. I mean, were... like if you could do this now, like I would, you know, go on a time heist and replace those stones with the appropriate colors. That way, Tom Brady would have an entire. Would have legitimately have the Infinity Gauntlet in, in Super Bowl rings. <laughs> 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 needed a, a forward-thinking Marvel GM or something. <laughs> oh my God. But really, do you know who Thanos is? Thanos is not Tom Brady. Think about no. who Thanos is. It's Bill Belichick. Oh, my God. Oh, God, yeah. 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 And he's got more than six rings. He's got eight. Yeah, he has eight, yeah. Wow. Okay. Well, two of them from your Giants. So, you know. I'm, I'm okay with that, yeah. Yeah. Defensive coordinator and all that shit. I even remember, I even remember watching one of those games, you know, because I was actually old enough to remember that one. Mm-hmm. It yep. was uh, yeah, it was it was the last game that that, that Phil Sims and Lawrence Taylor were on the team for. Oh my <laughs> although, god! You know, although Sims didn't quarterback that game, if I recall correctly, it was Hostetler. Yeah. yeah. Um, I I didn't tell you this last weekend. I saw Lawrence Taylor in person. Oh, neat! <laughs> I kept walking back and forth, and like uh, one <laughs> apparently he went like this to a kid, like didn't hurt him mm. or anything, and then. Somebody was like watching it and he was like, oh, my God, he just hit a kid. And it's like. Then he describes it. I'm like, he's not hitting a kid. I mean, it's, uh, you know, but he's a big, big guy. No, he's a very, very large man. Yes. Yes, he is. Uh, Very bald, too. So uh, remember when you step here. Anyway. okay, so. All right. So what we're looking for for Tori Krug is somewhere. In the seven, I would say seven and a half. Seven and a half is more realistic, but seven, seven and a half. Okay. Six years is what I would like to see. I suspect the team has to throw him, might end up having to throw him eight, which I don't, which I think would be a regrettable path. But anyway. Yeah, I like six. And then, and then absolutely flex the the bonus structure to the absolute max. Okay. So front, so front load as much as possible with most of that in bonuses. Yep. 
That way, if you have to trade him for some reason, you can trade him to a team that doesn't want to pay money but needs cap room. And obviously, have flex. Obviously, and no, full no move throughout. Probably, the, no trade could go to a modified late in. I hope, but you take what you can get, and you go full no trade if you have to. That's what I want to see. That's not again. I don't really. The six year would be nice. I don't really expect to see it. You think they're going to go more or lower? Um, I don't think there's a scenario he signs lower, signs shorter. Okay. Yeah, I don't think so either. So I'm, I, I suspect they'll have to go longer, but six would be the optimal term. Yeah. Because at the end of six, he'd be like 29, right? Oh, not 28, 35. 35. Yeah, I mean, that, that's kind of where you want that ending. You know, if he's still good for things, if he's still good, then you can resign him. If he's not, well, he's 35. What'd you expect? Right. Right. Okay. Well, looks like, gang, we solved that one. Okay. Yeah, we did. <laughs> Tune in next time for discussing of should and how should and for how much should the Bruins sign Charlie Coyle. I have no confidence in any answers on that one because I, I go, I'm all over the road. <laughs> I kind of don't even want to talk about Coyle until after the holiday season. I'll be honest because I, I want to see a little bit more. I, I, I saw a lot during the playoffs, right? And that was great. I love playoff Charlie Coyle. That is like, that's my favorite version of Charlie Coyle, playoff Charlie Coyle. But I want to see a little more of his um, season, regular season. I, I will say that, you know, the at least the plus side is a uh, regular season Charlie Coyle not being as, um, uh, as good as playoff Charlie Coyle keeps the price point down. It does. It does. But I, I still just want to have some more time to look at that. Um, but also, you know, he's still it, we're not talking about a guy who's bad. It's just that, you know, secondary scoring is very uh, up and down right now. So the big thing there is I don't see Studnika or Frederick being ready to be 3C next season. Right. Right. Give Studnika another year in Providence with the intention of being Krejci's heir apparent, heir apparent after another year, process, uh, another year of development, you know, something like that. Right. And what is Coyle being paid now? Is it three or four? It's under four. He's a three, hang on, 3.2. It's even less than I thought. I thought it was 3.8. So even if you, I mean, four is not, four is a very modest raise, but still. His production doesn't really warrant more, much more than four or four and a half on the, on the outside, really. Right. And you could probably get reasonable term out of him, like three, four years. Right, right. So, okay. And he's 27, so he's on the younger side for UFAs as well, which is which is nice. Actually, I thought he, so. Eh. I, I tried to, I, I try to sign, re-sign Charlie Coyle, operating under the assumption that we have money to, to re-sign them both. I mean, there are some other X factors. Um, DeBrusque and Grizzlick are both up this year. Yeah, they're both RFAs. And um, I think we're at this point where it's hard, impossible to justify not re-signing Grizzlick. Because he is that, that low-key good. But he's also <laughs> arbitration uh, eligible, too. So that uh, is good or bad, depending on how you look at that. Probably bad. <laughs> I mean, if he goes to arbitration, but like, right. I mean, just means he's got some flex. But I mean, like, yeah, they actually have team has a lot of RFAs this year after this season, which is keep in mind. I mean, some of them don't don't count like Richie, but Bjork, Sinishin, DeBrusque, Krizlik, Coolman, oh, and then guys in Providence, but whatever. <laughs> right. 
Right. Well, we have all season to figure this stuff out, right? Yes, we do. <laughs> okay. Uh, do we want to talk about injuries or does everybody know what the injuries are? I mean, it, it's come up. I don't, I think apart from DeBrusque, none of them are new since the last show. Right. So and, he has a lower body injury. Yep. And he's not in, not going to be in tonight or in for Florida. Maybe Toronto on Friday is the optim is the earliest timeline right now, apparently. Yeah. This is not for the weekend. Uh, Cassidy said today, not before the weekend. So that doesn't even sound like Cassidy's terribly optimistic about the, about next weekend either. So I would say in that case, maybe more likely is New Jersey on the 19th. So that's what that sounds like to me. <laughs> yeah. I I'd just like to know what it is. Is it a knee? Is it an ankle? Is it like muscular? Is it, what is it? That's what I'd like to know. So is it a hand injury and in that it's like, if he goes below his knee, it's a <laughs> Remember that time oh. with the with Noel Achari? He was like, well, I mean, it's an upper body, but you could call it a lower body injury if he waves at you while he's bending over. <laughs> it's like it's like Jaws. Looking at Tuca lurking like that is like Jaws. Sorry. <laughs> it's like... So, okay. All right. So, yeah, that's really the only new thing. So, I guess we can talk about this schedule... So, uh, we are recording today on uh, Sunday, November 10th, this afternoon, this evening, 7 p.m. Eastern Time at the, at the Boston Garden. They're hosting the Philadelphia, they're not bringing gritty flyers. Oh, I know, it's so sad. <sighs> I know. And uh, follow it up on Tuesday, it's November 12th, 7 p.m. Eastern, also at the Garden against the Fancy Cats. That's the Florida Panthers. Guess who's going to that game? Do not. Gather. Oh, because Noel's because it's Noel's return. It's Achari's return to Boston. I want to see the Achari tribute video, which will hopefully have some big hits, some improbable goals, and a big toothless grin. Incidentally, it's basically the fifteen sixteen Bruins uh, reunion tour because uh, Connolly and Vitrano are both coming home. That are both visiting that day too. I only have eyes for Achari. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I have no. I have no feelings about uh, about, about, about about Brett Connolly. Frank Vitrano. I'm glad he's been doing things in Florida. He you know, he was found. He, he he was found money. He was you know. He's 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 one of those um, bridge prospects. Yep, <laughs> and he changed his number because Bobrovsky needed the seventy-two, so he got stuff. And, um, and we got uh, Jacob Lauko for him. Oh, Jacob Lauko, the Lauko motive. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, our, uh, our 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 deep fantasy loving Zane, uh, uh, latest zany Czech prospect. Yes. <laughs> oh, that's right, the Lord of the fucking Rings stuff. Okay, got it. <laughs> Um, okay, I first of all, um, I will get to see all three of my boys back in the garden, just not all on the same team. And I am kind of dreading the weather forecast right now because it's going to be one of those days where it's going to like rain and snow a little bit, you know, and then it's not going to be a lot of snow. But, you know, I always worry about ice and I have to drive out to Boston and I have to more importantly get down my driveway. So I'm just worried about that shit. You know what I mean? Um, so I, I really hope that the forecast gets a little bit better because I just, 
I want to go see that game and I don't want to die to see that game. And I'm hoping that my medication is really just going to make me not as anxious. So there we go. Okay. That's what I say about Tuesday. Okay. Um, and uh, then a uh, couple days off and on Friday, that's November 15th, 7 p.m. Eastern time at the whatever Toronto's calling its arena this week in Toronto. I told you that it was the Scotiabank Rogers Air Canada Canadian Tire Center. Oh, right. It's another Scotiabank bank, bank one because we have, I mean, so need more Scotiabank named, named arenas because like, you know, Ottawa used to be and the Saddle Dome's the Scotiabank Saddle Dome. Yep, yep. Yeah. Apparently, this establishes there's only like three companies in Canada. How there isn't a Bombardier Arena, I don't understand. I mean, how is the Bell Center not anything but the Bell Center? Is it the Molson Bell Center? What is it? It's or the, the Center Bell. The Center Bell, yeah. It, yeah. The Center Bell, yeah. Uh, it's 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 just the it's just the Bell Center because Bell's the other major telecom company. Oh, I forgot about that. Okay, never mind. That we was... have, we, yeah, there, there, there's three telecom companies worth mentioning in Canada, Bell, Rogers, and to a lesser extent, TELUS. So, yeah. I know. TELUS <laughs> isn't named very – they don't name anything, really. It's, it's just funny because they have objectively better service than both the other competitors combined. Like, TELUS does, like, <laughs> science centers. Like, you know, it's the TELUS, like, children's science thing. I know that was something in Edmonton once. So There's also the thing where TELUS is, like, mobile only, whereas the others are more comprehensive. Right. Okay. All right. I get it. <laughs> Not as much cash on hand. I get it. Yeah, probably. Well, I, oh, man. I, I'm not looking forward to that Leafs game. Yeah. Uh, so many Leafs game in such a short time. Come on, please spread it out. Spread them out. No, like seriously. And then we follow it on the second night of a back-to-back at home, 7 p.m. Eastern time on Friday, on Saturday, November 16th against the Caps. Fuck that game. Fuck it. On fuck the flip side, hell. but Holpe sucks now. Still, fuck it. Fuck that game. I hate I that game. I mean, it's game. the second half of back-to-back, so it won't matter that Holtby sucks because, like, it's... I, you know what? I hope I'm wrong. I hope that game is fantastic. I hope the Bruins win that game. I hope that it is wonderful. But right now, I'm not I, on... I, I hope Pasternak scores six goals and Holtby retires, you know? <laughs> I, yeah, right in the middle. I, I, I want that, but uh, I don't feel good about it um and i'm usually the font of optimism for this podcast which is really amusing to me anyway um uh, yeah that's it that pushes us into the middle of the next week so um four games this week there folks all right one of the stronger weeks week schedules we've had in a while not that having but uh yeah drink heavily and often i already um you are you're watching the bucks <laughs> Jameis winston threw his first interception a minute into the game so that was fun <laughs> i'm sorry tim i'm sorry it's a rough draw man <laughs> oh god they're down three nothing and arizona isn't good but holy shit <sighs> okay well let's wrap it up then Okay, so, uh, listeners, you've been listening to Barely on Topic. You can find us on on SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, iTunes, Spotify, and wherever your favorite podcasts are found. Uh, you can talk to us on Twitter, at Barely on Topic, or on Facebook, at Barely on Topic Podcast. 
And then, of course, for the true masochists among us, there's always our individual individual Twitter accounts. I am at Dr. Hand Grenade. I am at Tim A. Richardson. Hey, I am a sadomasochist at Twitter.com. Also known as at VA from RI. <laughs> Tim? Word. Oh! <laughs> oh, Tim. <laughs>